Welcome to the Damn Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Bree, and I'm a full-time online fitness coach, and my passion is to educate women on all things fitness. I help women just like you step into the power of knowledge and commitment to ultimately live your best and strongest life. In this podcast, we'll talk about being damn strong in our body, mind, and life. I'll be teaching you how to navigate nutrition, strength training, and mindset challenges. So get ready to take some notes because we're building a damn strong life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Q&A. I love these podcast episodes because I'm answering questions that literally you guys are directly asking. I post on my stories a little question box every couple weeks asking what questions you want me to go over in the podcast. So if you're interested in submitting your question, make sure you're following me on Instagram and watching me on my stories, all that good stuff. So you can see when that pops up, you can submit your question and I will try to answer it on the podcast. I think I'll actually be able to get through uh, all of the questions that I have listed here, uh, today we'll see, we'll, we'll see what we can make it through. But if you're interested in submitting a question in the future, just make sure you input that into the question box. I like today's questions because they're very common questions that I get. And so I feel like these questions specifically can help a widespread of people. I think all of the Q and A's can definitely help everyone. Uh, but these are some very, very common questions that I get. So I'm excited to dive into these questions specifically. So let's just go ahead and get into it. The first question is, can you build muscle and lose fat at the same time? Yes, absolutely. Especially if you're a beginner, you can absolutely be building muscle and lose fat at the same time where this becomes less of a thing is the more and more and more advanced that you get. It's harder to be doing both at the same time. So when I say advanced, I think some people may think they're advanced when it's not. If for example, I feel like for a long time, when I first started my journey, like my journey, I'm, I'm as at this point, about 10 years of my journey. And I feel like on year three of my journey, I thought I was so advanced. I thought all these things, but I realized I wasn't actually as advanced as I thought I wasn't putting into practice a lot of the things that I learned. And so just because you've been maybe lifting weights and going to the gym for a long time, doesn't mean you're doing things optimally or you're doing things well. And so I think there's a lot more room to becoming advanced than a lot of people admit. So don't gauge necessarily how advanced you are by how long you've been curling a dumbbell or trying to squat a bar, but more so how intelligently you've had your workouts planned and how consistent you've been at going to the gym and how much muscle you have. So really the building muscle and losing fat at the same time becomes harder and harder, the more and more muscle that you get. And so if you are newer to your journey, you can absolutely be in a calorie deficit and strive to build muscle or strength train at the same time. And you can build muscle and lose fat at that same time. So good news for you. If you are brand new to getting into the gym or lifting weights, and you have a body fat loss goal that you're wanting to achieve at the same time, it's absolutely beneficial for you to go in the gym and be strength training while you're in a deficit because you can be building muscle and lose fat at the same time. But I'll also argue it's always beneficial to be strength training when you're trying to lose body fat because when we're losing body fat and we're in a calorie deficit, we want to be telling our body, hey, we want to keep this muscle right? We only want our body to be taking body fat, but don't take this muscle to burn for calories, only take the body fat. And by training really, really hard, you're telling your body, Hey, we need this muscle. Don't take this muscle, only take the body fat. So I would always encourage in a fat loss phase to definitely be strength training, but you can absolutely be 
building muscle and losing fat at the same time as you are less advanced. And as you get more advanced, that's where you see people doing bulks like myself, I'm doing an intentional bulk, but you also can do a bulk just because you want to put on muscle optimally, right? You don't have to be advanced to do a bulk. If you want to do a bulk, you're just saying, Hey, I want to put on muscle as quickly as optimally as possible, but doesn't mean that you can't be at maintenance or in a deficit and build muscle and lose fat at the same time as well. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. The next question is why am I gaining fat at maintenance? This is a great question because I talk to women in the DMs all the time about this. I have someone coming to me in the DMs like, Hey Brie, I'm currently eating at maintenance calories. I'm tracking my food, blah, blah, blah. And I'm at maintenance calories and I'm, I'm gaining weight and I'm gaining weight really, really fast. And I've been, I've gained 10 pounds in the last three months. Well, my first thing I would say is then you're not at maintenance, right? If you were to come to me and say, and have a financial goal, right? And you're like, Hey Brie, I'm trying to maintain my income right now. I'm noticing that I'm losing money every single month. I'm not maintaining it. However, I'm spending just as much as I'm earning. I'd be like, well, no, you no, you're not right. Your bank account is dwindling over time, but you're claiming that you're spending just as much as you're earning. And so if you are gaining fat at maintenance, then I would argue you're not probably truly at maintenance. Now, when you are in a deficit and you're going back to maintenance, is there going to be weight gain? And I'm saying weight, not fat gain, but weight gain. We're going from your deficit calories to maintenance. Absolutely. It's going to be some weight gain, right? Because you're going to be eating more food with consuming more food means your body's going to retain more water, right? So there is going to be a sense of weight gain when you go from deficit back to maintenance. But if you are in pursuit of maintenance and over the course of, again, three months, you've gained 10 pounds, I'd really argue if you're actually truly at maintenance or if you're really in somewhat of a surplus. And so when I have someone come to me and say, Hey, I'm tracking at maintenance calories, I'm eating at maintenance and I'm gaining weight and, you know, most likely fat, my first question is to ask, okay, with your tracking, are you tracking everything and being accurate? And if the answer is yes, I'm tracking the weekends. I'm tracking when I'm going out with friends. I'm including alcohol. I'm tracking everything at home. Then my question would be like, okay, well maybe you need to reassess where you're thinking your maintenance calories are. Maybe the calories you currently are at are actually a surplus and we need to lower them a little bit. Or do we want to up your activity a little bit? So if you're currently at maintenance calories and you are gaining weight month to month to month to month, then you're not actually at maintenance calories. You're more than likely in a surplus. Okay. Next question is how do you get all of your grams of protein in each day? And my first thought to this was, well, I eat food that has protein in it as that's how I get to it. But I'm assuming this question is coming from someone who's trying to hit their protein each day and is, is not successful in hitting their protein goal each day. And so For me, I think back, I'm like, okay, how do I make sure that I hit my protein every single day? And the biggest thing for me to make sure not only hit my protein, but they also hit my calories every day is pre-tracking. And I have suggested this quite a few times. I feel like to people in the DMs or people have questions in my comments and stuff like that. And there's always this resistance to pre-tracking. People are like, well, I don't know what I want that day. I don't really know what to eat, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of battle on the side of like, yeah, I know you, I understand you may not know what you want that day, but can you wake up 15 minutes earlier than you normally do? Pull up my fitness pal and just track what you want to eat that day. Like more than likely you have an idea when you wake up in the morning, what you want to eat that day. Or, you know, when you get up and you're going pee, can you just pull up your phone and pre-track what you want to eat to get an idea? And then I also think there's this other side where people think it's a lot of work to pre-track. Look, 
tracking in the moment or tracking after you eat something or pre-tracking, it all takes the same amount of time. You're just deciding whether you want to do it beforehand or you want to spread out doing that over the course of the day. And so to help you be more successful, planning things all before you're trying to hit that goal is going to be really smart, right? When you have any goal in life, whether that's you're trying to work out or you're trying to be more consistent in something, usually you're going to sit down and plan out how you're going to do that, right? When you meal prep, you plan ahead of time when you're going to the grocery store. Okay, what do I need to buy? What do I need to get? What am I going to make? It's the same thing with hitting your protein. I want you to start pre-tracking your protein at the beginning of the day to help you hit your goal. So if you're sitting down on the toilet in the morning going pee and you're pre-tracking your protein in and you say, okay, I've tracked my breakfast. I've tracked my snacks. I've tracked my lunch and my dinner. Okay, I didn't hit my protein. Let me go back to my logs and say, okay, what can I change? Okay, you know what? Why don't I swap out this snack here? of nuts and swap that out for a protein shake. Okay, perfect. Now I've hit my protein goal. So how am I getting my grams of protein all in each day? My biggest, biggest success to doing that is pre-tracking. And then on top of like understanding like where protein in his foods, like meats and dairies and cheese and, you know, edamame and remembering that there's also bits of protein in like your bread and all of those things. And so through that experience of learning what protein is in foods. And then pre-tracking that is how I make sure to hit my protein each day. You know, with that question, I actually want to jump a little bit ahead to another question that I was going to answer, but I feel like these actually coincide really well together. So someone asked the question of hitting protein goals on a low meat slash vegetarian diet. This is a great question. I think a lot of times people believe who are vegan, vegetarian, don't eat meat, or maybe low meat that you can't hit your protein goals. I was pescatarian for about two years, which if you don't know what pescatarian means, it means I don't eat any animal meat except fish. So as far as animal products, the only thing I ate was like eggs, cheese, dairies, which cheese is a dairy. I realize that, uh, and fish. Those are the only things that I ate. And so I have some experience of being on a vegetarian slash low meat diet, because even though I did eat fish, it was only maybe like twice or three times a week that I had fish. And so how I hit my protein goal on a low meat and vegetarian diet was one, through coming out understanding of where protein is in foods and remembering that I can get protein through lots of different sources and that every little bit counts. Like remembering that my bread has six grams of protein, but here are the, the staples that I did for hitting my protein on a vegetarian low meat diet was protein shakes for sure. Don't be afraid of protein shakes. I feel like people are like, Oh, I want to get my protein from like whole foods, which I get that right. You want the vitamins, you want the minerals. I get that. But protein powder is just powdered food right? Don't be afraid to have one or even two protein shakes if you want to in a day. I always, always for sure had at least one protein shake every day. Did I have to have one protein shake every day? No, I didn't. I truly believe I could have hit my protein without the protein shake, but I wanted cookies at the end of the day, almost every day when I was a pescatarian, I still do now, to be honest. And having that protein shake helped me to hit my protein goals while also wanting to enjoy those cookies. So I always had a protein shake on some days. I even have two. Um, Greek yogurt is a great one that I think a lot of people don't think about. Chobani completes. If you're familiar with the brand Chobani, 
They have these little like drinkable yogurts or 25 grams of protein, 190 calories. A great way to crush your protein is Greek yogurt. You could throw fruit in there to help them be more filling. There's lots of ways to do Greek yogurt uh, that's going to help you with hitting your protein. But I definitely would check out Chobani's. And then other than that, I do Dannon's a lot. Dannon has like a light and fit one that's like 80 calories, I think 13 grams of protein. So I really love Dannon's as well. Another one is edamame. I don't think people think about edamame a lot. It's a vegetable and it has a pretty good amount of protein. So a lot of times when I would eat fish, I would have fish with rice and I'd throw edamame in there. So not only was I getting protein from the fish, from the salmon or tilapia, then I was also getting a veggie with some extra protein as well. So adding edamame to any of your bowls that you're making is a great way to get some extra protein. Cottage cheese is a big one. I've recently started diving into cottage cheese. I've actually made some like protein pancakes the other day where they, the recipe called for cottage cheese. They were super, super good. And I love those. There's lots, honestly, nowadays there's lots of cottage cheese recipes. I feel like on Instagram, uh, Pinterest is always where I go to for recipes. So if you're interested in diving into cottage cheese more, definitely go on Pinterest and type in cottage cheese recipes. There are so many different ways to add cottage cheese to things. I actually saw someone yesterday post that they made their eggs and put cottage cheese in their eggs. I was like, that's brilliant because then it makes your eggs like kind of creamy and stuff from the cheese. And so I thought that was really, really great. I was just going to go on to that though, but saying like whole eggs or even just egg whites uh, for a long time, even now I'll dive into them every once in a while. But I feel like for a long time I was on this like breakfast uh, sandwich kick where I would do a English muffin with egg whites, a slice of cheese, and a vegan sausage. There's a vegan sausage patties from Morningstar. They are delicious. I think they're better than real meat sausage patties. Again, the brand's Morningstar. I'd make those, and those that was a really great like protein breakfast for me. So uh, whole eggs, and if you don't want to do a whole egg, you can go to egg white so that we have more bang for your buck when it comes to protein. And then chickpea stuff. Uh, Bonza, B-A-N-Z-A, is a, is a brand. They have a chickpea pasta, which I love, and that was a big staple in my diet when I was pescatarian, is that I would have like pasta with like morning stars like ground beef and red sauce. So I'd get some protein from the like fake ground beef. And then I'd also get protein from the chickpea pasta. So I feel like there's a lot of ways to hit your protein goal when you are low meat vegetarian diet. It just takes more work and effort and thought going into it. But once you start understanding where you can get your protein from, it makes it so much simpler It's just getting over that hump of finding things. So I think a really good start is if you are someone who's vegetarian, low meat, and you're really struggling with your protein, focus on a meal at at a time instead of maybe the whole day. I think you can. I think you could take the advice that I talked about with hitting all of your grams of protein in a day and like pre-tracking your food. But I think you could also start focusing on a meal at a time. Maybe just start with breakfast. Be like, okay, how many high protein breakfast ideas can I come up with, right? One I didn't even mention is like protein oatmeal, right? You could get a vegan, uh, oatmeal or oatmeal. You get a vegan protein powder, even a whey protein powder and put that in with oatmeal, mix that up, throw fruit in there. If you want it, if you have the calories for it, put peanut butter in there. That's another option, but go through each meal and build a rotary basically of the meals that you could pick from. So start with breakfast and start building stuff. You could do, you know, eggs, egg whites, breakfast sandwich, breakfast tacos, uh, protein waffles, protein pancakes, 
uh, I think I said protein oatmeal. I can't remember. I said that or not, but once you feel like you have a ton of breakfast things, then move on to lunch and come up with lunch ideas that you can do. So I feel like there's a lot of options. It just takes a little bit more work on your end to really think through, okay, where can I add protein in here? Tofu is not even talk about tofu or satan. Tofu or satan, tofu or satan is also a really great protein option too. If you're vegetarian and low meat as well. So I feel like I've talked enough about the whole protein stuff. Hopefully that was helpful. Again, it just takes a little bit of thought on your end. I encourage you pull up an iPhone notes or an Android notes or whatever phone you have and start making notes of things that you're really enjoying and protein sources. And, you know, even start looking at your bread and seeing how much protein's in your bread. Remember, every little bit counts. And so you may not realize like, oh, wow, my cream cheese has 10 grams of protein in it. Oh my gosh, my bread has six grams. Oh my gosh, my bagels. My bagels have 10 grams of protein and start paying attention to the little things. I'm not saying you're going to get all your protein through bagels, but little things like that can help to add up over time. Okay. So the next question that comes up that someone asked, which I really, really like this one is loving your body through slow and steady weight loss. I really like this one because I feel like a lot of women, this one struggle in general with loving their body, but it also can be really hard to love your body. Like you said, through the slow and the steady being patient and loving yourself through everything. And my first initial thought when I saw this question, I was like, well, what other option do you have? If you're not going to love your body through the slow and steady, well, then the other option is to hate it. And we know that hating your body is never going to give you a body that you love. And so your only option is to love your body through that all. And so how I started my journey of loving my body through every stage is I always try to compliment myself and hype myself up. And I know that sounds stupid, but I got to a, a time in my life where I was so insecure that I would undress to get into the shower and I just look at myself in the mirror and this was not only my body, but like how I looked, my hair, everything. I would just cry. I would just cry because I felt so unconfident and uncomfortable in who I was and how I looked and how my body looked and how X, Y, Z was. And I finally was just over it. I was over it. I was so tired of crying so many times getting into the shower and being so insecure and being so uncomfortable. I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm cutting you off. We're not doing this anymore. I was like, from here on out, you're going to start giving yourself a compliment every single day. And anytime you have a negative thought about yourself, you're replacing that with a compliment. And so I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, give yourself a compliment right now. And I was like, you have really nice earlobes. I literally started with complimenting my earlobes. I was like, okay, tell yourself why you like your earlobes. I'm like, well, they have a lot of good surface area so I can put a lot of piercings on them because I love piercings. Like I literally started so small with complimenting myself. I'm like, good. That's a great compliment. You love your earlobes because you got a lot of surface area to your earlobes and you love piercings and it allows you to play around with piercings and jewelries. That is awesome. What else do you love about yourself? I was like, well, I really love my brown eyes. And I was like, well, why do you love your brown eyes? And I was like, well, because me and my two grandmothers are the only people in my entire family that have brown eyes. And in a world where people, I feel like, tear down brown eyes or think brown eyes aren't special or aren't beautiful, it's so beautiful to me because I am the only person in my entire family that got my grandmother's eyes. And how special is that? How wonderful is that? And so from there is how I started loving myself. So anytime I would, you know, it's no secret. I talk about this on my Instagram and my stories that my biggest insecurity is my legs. 
And every time I have an ill will thought about my legs, I replace that and think, okay, these legs literally got me up out of bed this morning. These legs are the only reason that I'm here at this gym right now squatting. These legs carry me through all the trips I've been through everything. Like they have allowed me to live so much life. Are you really that concerned that you have a little spots here and there? I'm like, no, I'm not. I love my legs. They've served me and done so well. Right. And so I just have to constantly be replacing those negative thoughts with positive ones. I think once I start complimenting myself, I got to this point where I was like, okay, now that you know how to compliment yourself and appreciate things about yourself, when you have a negative thought about something, you have to immediately find a reason why you love it. So if you're, if I'm insecure about my arms, okay, you're insecure about your arms, but what's something amazing that you love about your arms? And so it went from just complimenting myself in any way I possibly could to complimenting the specific things that I was being so hard on myself about. And it took time. I want you to remember like this wasn't overnight that I learned to love my body through the slow and steady. I'm still learning to love myself through the slow and steady. I'm currently in a bulk right now and I am reminding myself every day, like how wonderful and beautiful my body is. Even though I have some extra body fat in my body, I'm getting stronger. I'm building muscle. I'm creating this shape. I am creating ableness to my body. That's going to carry me for the rest of my life. I'm making sure that I stay sitting my own butt on the toilet for the rest of my life. Right. And so I have to always, it's always a working progress. And I think it's become a lot easier. I have less and less and less negative thoughts than I ever have before, but it doesn't, I'm not immune to it just because I've been at this longer. And so that's the tips that I would give for like loving your body through not just the slow and steady weight loss, but even the slow and steady weight gain. Like I'm going through right now with my bulk. Okay, so let's move on to the next question, which is tips on eating healthy for picky eaters. Um, the full question is tip, tips on eating healthy for picky eaters. I want to eat healthy, but I hate this taste of veggies. I have a few tips for you. Um, the first one is if you hate the taste of vegetables, do something to help them taste good. And I feel like that's like a duh answer to this, but I feel like a lot of times, even myself, like newsflash, I hate vegetables. I can't stand them. I don't like them at all. But something that has helped me to eat them is to do something to help make them taste good. I think for a long time, I only ate vegetables plain. And I just thought like they would just eventually taste good plain. Like, no, a big way to make vegetables taste good is to put in the effort to make them taste good, put seasoning on them, you know, bake them in the oven, do things like that. Another way I really like to help eat vegetables is to hide them in recipes, right? You could blend spinach into your pasta sauce recipe. You could blend up cauliflower and put them into your mashed potatoes. There's different ways to do to hide vegetables. Someone that I really, really like on Instagram, and this will also be helpful for people who want meal ideas, maybe who are vegetarians or vegans, but I follow someone, um, her Instagram handle is plant you. And she does a lot of fun series where she will be like hidden vegetable series or scrappy cooking series, but she does a hidden vegetable series where she shows you how to hide vegetables into recipes. And I found it really, really interesting to watch. And that's where I got like the, you know, blending up spinach to put into your 
pasta sauce idea or, you know, the cauliflower idea comes from a lot of times you go to restaurants selling mashed potatoes, they'll have like pureed cauliflower. So finding ways to hide your vegetables into things is really helpful. I love throwing like broccoli, even though this is really hiding a vegetable. I love throwing broccoli into bowls because when I'm eating like a, you know, a, a bowl with like salmon and rice and I don't know, a bunch of other things, I love throwing broccoli in there because I'm, broccoli isn't the bulk of what I'm tasting. And so it's a way for me to enjoy what I'm eating, but also throw vegetables in there. And the third tip I'm going to give to this, and I don't mean this to sound harsh, but like you're an adult, just eat your veggies, right? You're not a toddler. You're not having to have your mom feed you. Like at the end of the day, you are wanting to eat vegetables and you want to try to be healthier. And like, you're an adult, just eat the veggies, right? It's not always the most fun, but you can make it more fun by helping it taste good and maybe hiding them. But like at the end of the day, I can't tell you how many times I sit down to eat dinner. I put up a serving of broccoli on my plate and I just eat it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it, but I'm an adult. I need to eat my veggies and I'm just going to do it. Okay. Next question dives in a little bit deeper. Uh, I like this one and I'm curious how people are going to relate to this one. And the question is, did your fitness journey cost you friendships or relationships? No, actually, I wouldn't say it cost me friends or relationships. I know that's not the case for everyone. I've helped clients deal through a lot of very unsupportive friends and even like family members. And that's really, really hard. And I've been very fortunate to not have family or friends be really terrible to me where it's costed our relationship. But I have had family members and friends say very unkind things. Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to dive into some of those unfun things. I've had people in my life called me obsessed. I've had people try to give me, you know, the largest piece of cake because I need to put weight on my bones or I need to, to put some fat on my bones. Um, I've just had people say unkind things. And I think it more so stems from what they're feeling and maybe insecurities that they're having than what exactly I'm doing. I just, I don't understand why people need to make such negative comments when I personally don't think the lifestyle I'm living is obsessive. Like, yeah, I track my calories and yeah, I track my protein, but like some people track their finances and I do too. I like, I have a spreadsheet. I love tracking my finances. Like it's no different than that. Like, why can't I have a specific goal and use a tool to help me towards that goal and not be called obsessive about it, right? I'm just prioritizing my health. You know, I work out four times a week for an hour. That's four hours out of an entire week. Why does that make me obsessive? So no, I have not had friendships be costed. You know, at the end of the day, when friends or family say hurtful comments towards me, I just have to remember that their comments are not helping me move towards my goals. So why the hell would I have them cause me to not reach my goals, right? If they're not helping me, you as damn well better be sure I'm not going to let them hold me back. And so I just have to remember that a lot of times those comments that they make are a reflection of how they maybe feel about themselves or their own journey versus what I'm doing specifically. And I know that's easier said than done. And it takes practice through remembering that. Um, I think also don't be afraid to call out your friends or your family when they say mean stuff to you or make unhelpful comments. I can tell me how many clients I've coached through talking to their family or talking to their friends and saying, Hey, you know, I understand you made X, Y, Z comment, but it's really hurtful to me that you're not being encouraging and not helping me and, and having those honest conversations. I don't think a lot of people expect 
people to call them out on comments that they make. And so I encourage you to have those tough conversations and it sucks. But if that means that friend not supporting you and not being in your life, and that's how you're going to grow as a person, then I encourage you to do that. But it's not easy having a breakup with a friend, um, over things like that. Now with family, that's a little bit harder, right? I, I think people necessarily, I mean, you could break up with your family if you want to and never see them again. That's an option, but I think people are less wanting to do that, but that's where you sit down and you have that talk with your family. Like, look, the, the comment you made yesterday about X, Y, Z really hurts my feelings. I'm really trying to strive towards a healthier life and trying to do X, Y, Z. And these are my goals. I'd really appreciate if you can support me. Do I have your support moving forward and asking them about that? And then, and then the next time if something comes up, challenging them and just continuing to hold them accountable to that. But if they can't be supportive, then say, okay, well, if you're not going to be supportive, I at least need you to not make those comments. I've noted that you're not supporting me in the goals that I have, but I don't need your comments when it comes to X, Y, Z. Okay. Next question is when in a calorie deficit, how much of exercise calories should you add back in? You should never add back in any of your calories from your exercise at all. First of all, if you listen to my prior podcast, we talked about fat loss and how to set yourself up for a fat loss goal. That's going to be episode seven, I believe, um, if you're listening to this kind of out of order, right? So episode seven, I talk about how to set yourself up for your fat loss goals. And we talk about how if you're using an online calculator to help yourself calculate what your calories are going to be, that calculator is already taking into account how active you are. And so the calories it's giving you are based off it knowing, okay, you're going to be X amount of active each week. And so these are your calories. And so you'll actually never add them back in one because of that reason. Two, you actually don't know how many calories you're burning. No, your Apple watch or your Fitbit is not accurate at all. There was a study done through Stanford with Apple watches, Fitbits, all of the activity watches. And they say that your activity calculation that your watch does for your workouts can be anywhere from, I believe it's 27% to 93% wrong. And so you cannot trust what your watch says to add your calories back in. So if that's currently what you're doing, that's what you need to stop doing. Don't ever add it back in. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to episode seven of how to set yourself up for your fat loss goals and do not be tracking back in the calories that you quote unquote burn, whether that's through weightlifting or you go for a walk or you go for a run, you'll set up your calories with that calorie calculator and then you just move forward from there. And if you need to not use your Apple watch during your exercises, I actually had to do this at one point for myself. I at one point got so caught up in what the number was on my watch when I was working out that I had to stop using my Apple watch and like hitting start on exercise. Because when it came down to it, it wasn't necessarily that I was adding my calories back in, but I was letting the number of calories determine how good of a workout I was having. And at the end of the day, my goal is muscle. And how many calories I burned does not equate me building muscle, right? I know you're probably thinking of, well, I'm trying to lose body fat. Same thing. We go into the gym and lift weights to build muscle. That is your primary goal. And so we don't need to be focusing on how many calories that we're burning for our workout because you're not going to be adding them back in and you already have your calories set through what I've talked about in podcast seven. Okay. Let's go to the final two questions that I have here. Do you count steps? Currently? No, I'm not counting steps while I'm in my bulk because 
it's not, I'm trying to be in a surplus. And so, yes, I could make sure I'm maintaining a certain level of activity, but if I'm a little bit less active one day, it's not the end of the world. Cause that just means I'm a little bit more in a surplus and I don't mind putting on maybe a fraction of a little bit more body fat. And I'm pretty consistent day to day with what I'm already hitting. So I don't currently count my steps, but when I'm in a deficit, I absolutely count my steps. Again, if you have not listened to episode seven, I would encourage you to go back there. I talk about counting steps and why we have a step goal and all that. But yes, I do track my steps when I'm in a fat loss phase. And then when I'm not in a fat loss phase and I'm just maintaining, uh, I try to just aim for more so like a time where I'm just like, Hey, every single day, I want to go for a 15 to 30 minute walk every single day and more so working on a lifestyle factor. Okay. And last question, how did you overcome any disordered perspectives about fitness? This is a really great question because I think a lot of times people can fall into disordered eating through pursuing their fitness goals. And I think it's through having extremes. And so for me, what really, really helped me to overcome disordered eating perspectives or patterns is really, really using numbers to empower me. You know, if, if you've been following me for a while, it's no secret that I love data. I love tracking my calories. I love tracking my protein. I love tracking my steps when I'm in a fat loss phase. I love tracking my weights and my reps because data really, really empowers me. And I actually filmed a little reel on this, but data does what emotions can't, right? And that's bring logic into the situation. And so I feel like a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times disordered eating can come from a very emotional place. And so I've been able to manage my emotions and how I'm feeling through data, right? So when I'm in a fat loss phase and I'm tracking my calories, I can know, hey, if I'm hitting these calories every single week, if I'm trusting the process, I know I'm going to see progress, right? When I have my, when I do my weigh-ins, right? I weigh in every single day when I'm in a fat loss phase and that way I can navigate through the fluctuations. So if I weigh, you know, 150 on Monday and the next Monday I weigh 150 again, I can look back at the fluctuations and be like, look, I actually made progress. I fluctuated all last week. And if I take the average of last week, I actually lost a pound. And so I really, really, really created a, a power, stepping into the power of knowledge, if that makes sense. And, and I feel like that's really helped me to keep my emotions at bay, if that makes sense. Like you're going to have emotions through it all. I absolutely feel emotions on a daily basis and I navigate those, but I always bring myself back to the center and apply logic. And I'll be like, Hey, Brie, like you're having a really, really rough day today and you're feeling like a failure. You feel like you're not losing body fat. Let's go back and let's look at the data. Have we been tracking everything we've been eating? Yeah. Have we been tracking everything we've been eating accurately? Yeah, you have. Have you been hitting, you know, the gym four times a week? Yeah, you have. They haven't been the best workouts, but you have been getting to the gym four times a week. Are you hitting your step goal? Yeah, I am hitting my step goal. I'm hitting it every single day. Cool. So let's trust the process and let's keep pushing on. We're not going to freak out about it, right? Or even have the date of like, I'm on my period, right? If I'm in a fat loss phase, there's times where I, you know, on a week of my period, I'm 0, 0.0, right? There's I lose like a single pound per se on the scale, but I know there's also going to be some bloating and water weight that's associated with my period. So having that data and having a spreadsheet and typing in period week, when I get to the end of the week and I see that I haven't lost a pound on the scale, I'm not worried about it because I'm applying logic to those emotional situations. Be like, look, I hit my calories. I hit my steps. I hit my workouts. I hit my protein, all those things. I'm on my period. 
I'm just going to trust the process and keep going. And so I think having logic and data to support and even navigate my emotions has really helped me to either overcome or avoid disorder perspectives because I find that, or I truly believe, and again, this might not always be the case. I think there may be cases where it's not, but I think a lot of times disordered perspectives and eating comes from very, very emotional places. I think there's multiple ways that comes from emotional places, whether you're, you know, impatient and you're wanting to see fitness or fitness and you want to see weight loss really, really fast. You're wanting to see, you know, your muscle grow really, really fast. And so you may adopt some disordered eating patterns because you're wanting things to happen faster instead of taking it the slow and steady route. Or again, you get discouraged because you weigh 150 on Monday and then 150 the next Monday when really you could help to navigate those emotions if you weighed every day and took the average. And so personally for me, that's how I feel like I've overcome that disordered perspective and eating habits. Again, I think Different people are going to overcome it in different ways, but I think having the data really, really helps for me to actually bring myself down back to earth. I can't tell you how many times I've had a client freak out on text and I go, okay, let's see what the data says. And we go back to their spreadsheet and their data sheet. And they're like, oh, you're right, right? I've had a client who had a binge eating episode. She's like, I totally, you know, screwed up. I undid everything. You know, I am a failure. And I was like, Let's let's actually analyze that. Let's go back and track everything you ate on your quote unquote binge episode. We went back and tracked it and we're like, you're fine. You actually didn't undo a lot of things and we can adjust for this this next. We can be on track for your goals. And she's like, oh, you're right. And since then, she hasn't had a binging episode because she's realized that it's through this restriction or through her feeling guilt and failure that it's further pushing her binging tendencies. Or I've had clients where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. Or I'm not losing weight. And we look back at their data sheet and it's like, okay, we haven't been losing body fat for the last few weeks. Let's go back and look at your data. Okay. In the eight weeks we've been working together, there's only two weeks that you've hit your calories, you've hit your steps, you've hit your protein, you've gotten your all of your workouts in. Two weeks out of eight. So maybe we need to reassess how consistent we're being, right? So there's a lot of times where you can bring yourself out of those emotions when you're applying data to it. Okay, guys, that is the end of the Q&A episode. Please be sure to shoot me a DM on Instagram letting me know what your biggest takeaway was from this q and I'm always interested to hear. But until next time, have a great day. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Damn Strong Podcast. Show me some love by leaving a review and sharing a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram stories. Until next time, stay strong.